Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Operator Podcasts. Uh, thanks for hanging with me. Um, Back by very popular demand, I had to bring my brother Drago back because we talked uh, the last few segments and so fascinating, so interesting, um, a way to grow up. I mean, it's almost like listen, it, it's almost like it's not real. It's such a, a kick ass story, just a, a badass um, American coming from socialism to the United States. So uh, we are back with Drago. Um, Drago, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me over and uh, on your podcast. It's an honor, and I, I totally enjoy it. I just need to remember to speak a little bit slower because we're <laughs> something. I was like, da, 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 da. and then I'm looking at this. What the hell did I just say? When I'm well, the, so the problem too is I'm I get excited and I start talking fast, and I've actually taken classes on how to slow down and maintain eye contact. But then I start talking to you, and I get all excited, get all fired up, and start telling stories, and start yapping. So uh, I, get, I get excited. You know, I, I'm the guy who invented the accelerated English course for terrorists. <laughs> and I was really good. And this is, but now I slowly start understanding why after my five, 10 minutes class, the savages could speak much better, could speak sometimes better with better accent that I speak, you know? <laughs> we had a, we had a funny saying, I was also a battlefield interrogator. I'm sorry, a tactical question or whatever. And I, we came up with a joke. Um, what does a cue ball in pool and Al Qaeda have in common? The harder you hit them, the better their English gets. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry, we never hit it. We never hit a guy. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we did like the, my, my English my, uh, teaching methods to terrorists was just look mean. You know, you just just look at them and scare them. They, when you look how mean, did how did you do, the way that we did it, uh, especially in Iraq, we did a lot of. Uh, battlefield interrogation and what we learned the best way to do was to get the detainee here put the interpreter behind him and then you look him in the eyes and speak to him and the the guy that speaks his language is behind him so they can't get a rapport and it's like no you're looking at me you're listening to him do you guys do that way is that how you guys did it i think it froze up there hang on no, no, I, I wouldn't understand a, a, a thing if you say something in Arabic. I couldn't say in Arabic. But no. with my method, the actually guy within 10, 5 minutes was speaking quite comfortable English. So I just took the guy uh, uh, in the class. I, I taught him English. And then we called the uh, the, the interrogators to talk to them. 
because they usually, they usually they didn't want to talk at all. They they said they, the first answer was no English, no English. Uh -huh. So I like, wait a minute, give <laughs> five minutes, and he will speak English. <laughs> five minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of ways to do it. I found too the looking mean thing. I'm sure you had that down to a yeah, science. Almost hundred percent success rate. Yeah, yeah. We I learned um, um, instead of getting too creative, just ask them basic questions. How many guys are in the house? Who's the man of the house? What are their names? And that's it. And then ask the next guy. You know, four guys say one thing, two guys say the different thing. That's there's your bad guys. Well, with me, he didn't want to talk. I taught him how to talk, and very quickly he spoke. Whatever we ask, whatever we ask him. If somebody else was sitting there didn't want to talk. Drago, come here. He needs an English course. And here, after five, five, English minutes, course. He, spoke English, he spoke English with a better accent than I can say. That's amazing. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to to peel a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 this is I'm going to patent it. Drago's accelerated English course for terrorists, <laughs> and I think this is going to it's so effective. You know, ten minutes and you speak English really well. That's so, better than Rosetta Stone, man. We you should write a book about that. Just a ten oh, minute. Yeah. It should be Drago Stone or something like that. I don't know what I name it yet, but I will name it something definitely. I'm 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 on board. I love it. I love it. Um, so getting back to the story, where we left off was um, the incredible. I mean, not incredible. I wasn't there, but the prison story. Just living in hell so bad. You mentioned the tiger cage and. Like your only response was to laugh because here's a cage inside a cage. Um, and you just and the, how long now we got into it a little bit, but they kept you in that cage for a few days or was it a week? Oh, uh, no, that was I, I had a week, uh, but they put me in transport to uh political prison on the Russian border. So we left from uh, lots where I was uh being uh interrogated. They sent me to prison in the Hrubyashuf. Uh, in uh, on the Russian border, actually, we could see through the bars uh, the Russians, Russian side. Pretty scary at that time. Oh yeah. So so now, do you know how long you got sentenced? Do they tell you your sentence or just bring you to that yeah. political? No, 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 no. Yeah. I was told. Uh, I, I went to court and they told me it's three years prison sentence. Okay. Uh, and then and the whole time they're just trying to get you to admit that you're a criminal. Yeah. Until that time, once they sentenced me, there was like you know, you done. And uh, they 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 signed me on the last huya, I guess, uh, when I beat up that guy, they <laughs> they uh, they put me in that tiger cage. Uh, so, but it was just like supposed to be one week isolation. The, the, you know, I was not laughing because I was so tough. I was just laughing because it was so freaking surreal. It was so unreal That's that I, was, I look at it. It's like this is a prison cell. But then you have a cage in the prison cell. I say, what right. the hell is this? If you went there inside it, and uh, you'd be laughing your ass about I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I didn't want to laugh because. No, but the, being but, surreal too. I mean, just even the way you, I was thinking about this the last few days. And even the way you mentioned, you go in a cell, you lay down, they pull you out, they beat you up. <clears throat> you lay down again, figuring you'll be safe. They beat you. I mean, getting a beating like that is not a, it's not a game. Like that's fucking, you're getting your ass whooped. You lay down, get your. I mean, the shit you went through is I, I I can't wrap my mind around it. That's I mean, it's insanity. What what the stuff you did there? Then the tiger cage. I mean, I can almost I can't I I've never experienced that. But just you saying how surreal it is. Like I'm going in a cage inside a cell. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, I, I I we knew that at that time the atrocities committed by socialist regime, but 
when I went to this room and I said, seen this cage, like I, it was like from the from the comedy or something. Just put no, right, just... I'll be sitting in the cage, and then the guards, once every while they walked in, just walk around the cage, they put their their stick on the on the, on those on this little cage, yeah. and just walk out. So I spent I think a day or two, and they sent me in transport. So <laughs> I didn't spend a lot of time. Yeah. Now what? Um, I'd I'd seen some comments on social media because I may have said. Uh, or someone might have typed in a Russian gulag. It's what's the difference between a a a prison, a political prison on the border, and a Russian gulag? Because someone said it's not a gulag. It's the same thing, yeah, right? Yeah, no, that they are correct. That technically they are correct. The, the Russian gulags is a is a system of political prison and labor camps in Soviet Union, and this is abbreviation yeah. uh, G uh, G U L A G. Yeah. But so in. In Poland, we called it gulags because this is where they kept political prisoners. This is where they kept people with uh, on false charges, uh, a political opponents of socialism. So this is what we like. Well, you know what? This is just like Russian gulag, but in Poland. Yeah. Although we need to remember that the, that the prison system in Poland at the time was modeled on the Soviet Union prison system, the interrogation methods were modeled on Soviet uh, uh, yeah. system. And they had also Soviet Russian advisor, advisors working quietly in the background, in the shadows, to uh, and manipulating Polish politics and, uh, and Polish society as well. Yeah, and I mean, my, my initial thought too, because that's years ago, but that's, that's your life. And like with these fucking keyboard warriors, I'm like, dude, He's in the prison. He can call it whatever he wants. Well, like, that's just what we, what we called it in Poland. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just want to make, make make the point, especially even more pissed off the socialists and communists in Poland that yeah, they're, they're Polish gulags, you know. But technically, yeah. it was just a prison for political prisoners. Fucking tiger cage, man. What that's it, it's insane. So so they they gave you the three year sentence. What what's a what's a normal day in the that three year sentence? So uh, initially in the prison, uh, when I was uh, I, first, I was detained in the headquarters of the secret police. Then they moved me to like intermediate prison. That when already they did with me whatever they needed to do, they put me time like a holding tank, uh, and uh, and I was just sitting there waiting for them to complete the uh, case, my case. And once it was completed, then uh, they drove me to a military court. Was military court and uh, they sent us me they drove me back and then i got this incident uh, uh, with this other guy and uh, got that tiger cage and from the tiger cage my time came to be moved to uh, the gulag uh, the prison for yeah, political prisoners in for, Poland, yeah. called it gulag because fucking polish gulag yeah same, same purpose just different uh, yeah methods so so you do the three years, and then did they just let you out? Did they, how does that go? Uh, well, this is what happened: is John Paul II was coming to Poland for the second time. Okay. And the condition that, that at that time, uh, communists and the socialist regime were losing control more and more. So they were hoping they bring the Pope to come down the society, and uh, uh, but the condition uh, the Pope set for his visit was to release political prisoners. And uh, so then the communists decide to make amnesty for political prisoners. I was one of them released. 
slowly they would, didn't release everybody. They would just listen, uh, listen f- a few people at the time, few people here, few people there. Because please remember, these prisoners were, we were kept all over the Poland. They were political prisoners, uh, prisons uh, all over the Poland. Some of those prisons were torn from uh, from uh, from even recreational units. Well, mostly they, they were from uh, recreational centers. They were, uh, they, this is where they kept people who did not commit any crime. They were just potentially dangerous to society, to socialist regime. So prevent, just for the prevention, they put them there and just kept them there, just like in prison. They were pretty much prison. But prisons in Poland for political prisoners were all over the Poland. They were everywhere. Yeah. But the, so the the Pope, the Catholic Church, had a lot to do with getting political prisoners out. Yes. And it was different Pope that we have today. That's yeah. Sure. Pope John Paul. Yeah. It, well, different ideologies, too, because I think uh, I like- think. Yeah. I think our Pope now is he's a little more political than on the on the left side as opposed to the right side. But sometimes you have you you, you question this whole thing up there. Uh, at least I do. This is not the Pope I um I I used to be when I was growing up in Poland and later in America. This is something new with with a lot of ideology being pushed on society. So when he came in, uh, they started releasing us, and. That was not for us political prisoners and political opponents of socialism. That was not over. There were people like there was a guy I was sitting in the cell with, young kid, twenty-one years old. He was found hanged. Um, there was quite few people that didn't show up to work, and that nobody know where they are. Oh, he where- didn't. He didn't. He didn't commit suicide. He was just they killed him. I believe so. Yeah, there was that was one of the normal tactics. Uh, the the suiciding people was uh, kind of uh, a favor a favorable technique of removing political opponents in Poland. So yeah, so I I don't believe that he hanged himself. No, uh, I don't want to bring his name out of the respect to his family. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the case. I know personally. So what happened to me when I was released? First, I couldn't find the job. I was like everywhere I went, it's like, no, we don't have a job for you. And some of the some of the locations, some of these places were very adamant about it. You are political, you are political prisoner. You are not, not political prisoner. They come, you are criminal. We don't have a job for you. You were sent. I'm not I was trying to argue sometimes. I'm not a criminal. I was political prisoners. I yeah. committed any crime. Well, but by the book says you did commit the crime. So if you commit the crime, you uh, we don't we don't want you here. So I couldn't find the job. But, but also the other things that they like to do, the communist regime, the socialist regime, and communists like to do is uh, they were good in kidnapping people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> very often I was coming out. I was doing kickboxing, taekwondo at the time. So sometimes at night or in the evenings after we work almost three, four hours a day sometimes. So late at night where we were coming home, just walking, because in Poland, like none of us had a car. We had to mm-hmm. wait for us and going to the bus. Sometimes was hanging out a little bit with the guys. The police showed up. The, the civilian car pulled to the curb. They just grabbed me, handcuffed me, threw me inside and just drove away. <laughs> the, all my friends knew what was this about. There's nothing they could do at the time. So they just drove me around the town, drove me in, inside the woods, then outside the woods, go to another small town, then go back. And uh, 
I remember I asked uh, every single time, where are we going? Why I'm here? Mm-hmm. Well, when are we going? It will literally matter. It will matter to you when we get there. That, we that is that is so chilling. You mentioned that before. And yeah, that just, but, I mean, you, I mean, the I, I don't care who you are. The fear has got to come out of you. The adrenaline has got to be pumping. Like it if this could be it, I might be cuffed, but I can maybe kick and run or this yeah, is it. It did. You know, I'm a sale now, but before I was just a kid. I yeah. didn't know. So I remember I was about to pee myself a couple of times when we were yeah. just put to the woods. So my in my mind, it was already working on the different gears. And I was thinking, I'm going to kick this guy, kick that guy, see how I can knock them out. I would just run as fast as I can. So they're going to kill me anyway. So at yeah, least might as well fight it out. Fight it out. And uh, it didn't happen, of course. They just drove, it drove, they drove me back usually to the outskirts of our town. They, just kick me out, throw me away. And and uh, then I had to walk because if it was late night. The buses were not working anymore. No, they were not, not riding. So I had to walk home for sometimes maybe three, four, five miles at night. And um, so that was, it happened quite a few times. Mm-hmm. I decide that it's time to to leave because one day I will not come back from one of these. Yeah, places. they're going to, they're going to, you're going to find yourself commit suicide in the trees that you didn't do yourself pull a, pull a Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> like he, he committed yeah. suicide yeah <laughs> yeah so okay so you decide you're gonna leave what, what's the first steps to that first time I went to US embassy I mean for me America was always that beacon of freedom there was always I remember when I was living with my father for uh, that year before I got kicked out of uh, of his house uh I I was I like to go to front of U.S. embassy and they had always these powerful big cars. You know that was like seventies, right? Seventies uh, before the eighties. So when I was there, seventy six, seventy seven. So uh, I like to read about America and just, and I'm thinking like this is so awesome. How lucky these people are. Why Poland cannot be like that? Because okay. of communists and socialist goons are ruining not only our economy, but also our freedom. They, 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 they steal freedom from everybody and they have to, because otherwise nobody would vote for these goons. I mean, this is why all the elections were rigged. So this is how I knew America. And uh, I read what, about- what, did, what could you, uh, in so 1978, what can, what were you reading about America? Cause I know everything's censored. What was, what were, you would see the, the cars, but what would you, uh, what were in the, in the books or magazines? I was reading about the, the freedom. This is what I was eating the most, that people can have their own businesses. They can have the job they want. They can go to college. And don't have to worry about having extra points uh, for, from Communist Party to to be in college, like in Poland. If you didn't belong to some uh, either socialist uh, uh, youth uh, organization, there was like socialist uh, uh, socialist youth organization, that's how they call it, or Communist Party, you pretty much didn't have much chance to get uh, higher education. You were pretty much like that, but that middle level. So I was reading this, how it is possible. Everybody in America can have a job they want. They can study in colleges wherever they want. They can live however they want. They can have their own homes. They can move from place to place wherever they want to move. So for me, there was like fairy tale and never ever even crossed my mind that 
I could ever had a chance to live in place like this. There was like reading about Snow White and and, and other. <laughs> you love it, you know. You, you kind of you, you like it, but you know you will never be a part of it. And that, that changed. I, at that time, I didn't have anything to to. to uh, I, I was on the end of I was on the on the end of my rope. So I, I went to U.S. Embassy and I asked for help. I just, I was thinking like, what else can what can yeah. I lose? So, uh, so I, I I tried to start my life again after prison, and I could not. I was not allowed to. So they, uh, so I went to place that I knew is a, is the freest place in the world, and uh, and I was accepted. And so that you went to the embassy, and how how long was that process to 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 tell them you're, uh, you you want to be. Usually it takes from like six to uh, eight months at the time, yeah. or even longer. But in my case, I think it was maybe month, month and a half when I had the documentation stating that I I am allowed to settle in the United States as a political refugee. When I came to America, my status was political refugee. So I went to, I, I, that was fairly quick. In, in So yeah. once, before that, uh, before I got that, I had to still finish some, complete some paperwork on the Polish side, especially with Polish military. <laughs> they hated it. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine that because they, they got a, they, I would assume they're giving you as much pushback as they possibly can. Just, just for to... the they, they didn't want me in Poland. They just, they just want to torment me as much as they could. It's typical for socialist uh, elites there in Poland. They, they, that was hell to pay. <laughs> if you if you if you if you did something against socialism, uh, people were dying. Yeah. Now now uh, do they? What year is this? You you went to the embassy. What, what about nineteen eighty four? Was that? Uh, what year did you go to the embassy to start your paper? Nineteen eighty three. Nineteen eighty three. So end of, now, end of do, 1983. do these? Uh, uh, communist secret police do they even see the end coming like are they are they trying to stop it because like the the dam's about to burst they know it's coming just uh, with the uh, with the pope they and know with it. the they know it they were they were just doing everything to push as many people outside as pa- as possible to push all the opposition to social outside of polish border they were happy about it but you know typical to socialism and communism they like to torment people yeah. they don't just, they don't want you just to live and be happy. They want you to live in fear that you always remember, hey, do not mess with socialism. And uh, that's very, uh, very unpleasant. But yeah. I was, oh, yeah, yeah. So I went, I was given the the promise that I will have the uh, uh, immigration visa. Then I went to a military office where I supposed to be, uh, where I supposed to be, uh, uh, they're not supposed to give documents if I'm not if I am if army if Polish army does not need me, and of course they didn't, but they still tried to give me a hell. I remember when I walked into the office, a major was sitting at the desk. He looked at me, oh, with such a disgust, and he 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 says to me, "People, young guys, young young people like you should be serving under." This Polish eagle up there, you know, it's, you know yeah. he's to this uh, Polish symbol uh, hanging above his head, and that wasn't Polish symbol even because that was that was eagle, 
but with, with without the crown. Polish symbol is eagle, white eagle with the crown. But it was very offensive to communists, so they removed the crown. So the socialism, that there are no royalties. So they removed the crown. And uh, so I told him, like, you know, that f f uh, first thing, that eagle of yours is not Polish eagle. He doesn't have a crown. The Bolsheviks and, and, and communists and socialists, they stole the crown. Uh, and by the way, they even kidnapped the Polish eagle and sent him on to Siberia. But I would not want to be in your shoes when this eagle with crown <laughs> on his head comes back to Poland. I don't want to be in your shoes and your Marxist communist lackeys because it's not going to end up well for you. And it didn't. It, no, it, it didn't. Right. I mean, it, right. <laughs> I did a um, a bit uh, a couple months ago about in Romania, uh, Nicolae and Elena Ceausescu, is that how I said it? Yeah, and and they, they, they were barking orders all the way up to their execution. Like yes. they didn't it didn't sink in. They're like, hey, they're the 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 freedom fight. The actual freedom fighters are here and you're you're going to die. The only thing that you can request is to die together, which they did. Um, but yes. it's almost like they don't get it like this. This communism is going to work until the end. And then when the people finally get there, I mean, that, and that's what we said, that, you know, you can vote your way into socialism. You're going to shoot your way out. On the heels of the second largest bank failure in U.S. history and the eighth interest rate hike within a 12-month period, 186 more banks are at risk of collapsing. Your bank could be next unless the Fed does what they just did back in March and print $300 billion out of thin air, making your dollar worthless. Not to mention the recession risk that could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement accounts. Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real, gold and silver, from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has been only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with trust length, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com today or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Don't let the Fed play Monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Now you've heard me mention moink before, and I know, I know we all like to eat. I love to eat. Did you know, sixty percent of U.S. pork production comes from one company, owned by China, and their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in one hundred sixty countries, including China. Yet you find it in your grocery aisle every single day. There's a better way, so I'm going to remind you of moink. That is moo plus oink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm just simply does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste, and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent too. You choose the meat to be delivered in every box, like ribeyes, chicken breasts, 
pork chops, salmon fillets, and much more. Plus, you can cancel anytime. I love Moink I, so much, I actually sent it to my family in Montana. They love it up there. Uh, Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted. He's not lying. It's the best bacon I've ever tasted. Ring doorbell founder Jamie Simonoff jumped at the chance to invest in Moink. Plus, my favorite part, as you can say, oink, oink, I just got moinked. I do love it. You'll love it, too. Seriously, try it. A box of meat. You pick what you want. It's great. And keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash the operator right now. And listeners of this show will get free bacon in your first box. This is the best bacon you'll ever try. I'm not even kidding, but it's for a limited time. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash the operator. That's moinkbox.com slash the operator and get some of that bacon. Anyone who thinks they won't need emergency food isn't paying attention. Every day the headlines seem to get worse and worse. Is the unthinkable next? It pays to prepare. That's why I seriously recommend you stock up on emergency food right away. You never know when the next shoe will drop. And when it does, emergency food will be hard to find. So get yours now while it's on sale. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and check out their popular three-month emergency food kit. Right now, you'll save $200 per kit. Each kit gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, snacks, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength and energy. Act now and claim your $200 savings per kit. You'll sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll enjoy free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com So now that I'm getting into the interview parts of the Operator Podcast, one thing a lot of us had in common was dipping tobacco. It's a culture in the military. Get up early to have a dip, dip after every meal, dip after every jump during runs in the kill house, dipping on the range during briefs while giving briefs if you're enlisted. Uh, but I wanted to get away from tobacco, and um, I found an alternative. If you're a current dipper and 21 years old or up, you should give black buffalo a try. It's the same ritual without the tobacco. There's no tobacco, leaf, or stem. It's made out of edible green leaves. There is pharmaceutical-grade nicotine in some. There's also nicotine-free versions. But again, their food-grade ingredients is just the ritual. It's the same texture, the same feel. We got it in straight. We got it in pouches. There's flavors, mint, winter green, like I said, straight peach, blood orange. Um, you're getting the same feeling, the same ritual without the tobacco. So like I said, give it a try if you're a dipper at blackbuffalo.com and use code THEOPERATOR for 15% off your first purchase. That's blackbuffalo.com, born in the Midwest, raised in the South, blackbuffalo.com. And it's amazing to me that, that we're seeing a lot of this now where they're saying, well, let the government take care of us and we'll do this and you can get free this and all that. And it's always under, uh, it was in your book, it said, uh, a better world for humanity. And that's how it starts. And it sounds, it, and it doesn't sound great, just free stuff. It never works out that way, but there's always someone with a better way to do it. And it never works. And, the, and, and just to listen to you talk about uh, a fairy tale is being able to move when I want uh, my own car education like that's and these are these are rights in the united states that basically a lot of people take advantage of and they take it for granted because they were born here and not realizing how lucky they are to be born here well this is something that the 
uh, you, you are you are absolutely right about it. And with the communism, like my uh, like my father used to say, we are we just want to make a great thing for humanity. And the mantra of communists was always, we gonna we want to make the great thing for the uh, for the for for Polish uh, society. And we are so great. We do this. We do this. They promised you everything. Yeah. They they didn't deliver it, but they what they were trying to do is divide the society on the richer people or the poorer people. Everybody was everybody. Well, that's that's uh, that's one of the tactics is div divide yeah. people, divide people first. And you yeah. can even see that here. I I firmly believe that here in the United States, the reason that a lot of these higher ups are there, they say Asian American, African American, Irish American, Polish American, because. They don't want to say American. They, they, if we can divide and conquer is not just a, a, a kick-ass Che Guevara t-shirt. It, it, it's a real tactic that's really being used. It is very disturbing to me because you, know, you learn just like I learned in the Navy. In America, we, have, we are all one color. It is red, white, and blue. Yeah. There's no this color, that color. I mean, what, what do I tell my wife? Because a darker skin than I do. What I call her? I call her darky. She is. <laughs> she's American. I'm. I'm American. I yeah. don't care. You know, like we were when we were fighting uh, wars uh, on behalf of America. It never crossed our mind that we are no. made, want to fight for this group or that group. No, we fought for every American, and yeah. I understand that sometimes. People say, well, we didn't need to fight that war. We didn't need to fight that war. So you are war criminal. You are this. Well, people need to remember that we don't start the wars. If they don't want the war, they maybe should vote better politician in the office. Because I think that's the problem. The, the military, us, we are not warmongers because we know that we can die in that war. But if it, if it comes to, uh, if the war comes, we will fight on behalf of America to our last breath. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what what the guy, the man or woman next to you looks like. We're Americans. Well, I mean, even right now, the thing that pisses me off is watching uh, like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, saying he wants to understand white rage. He doesn't know what it is. That That's not part of the military. The reason when you get to the, the first day in the Army or the Navy, they shave your head and they put you in the same uniform because you're all the same and you're well, at first you're all you're all equally scumbags, and maybe you'll get up here. But that's the whole point. That's the reason I heard a Marine Corps general the other day explain why he says, "You know why um, the ribbons are a quarter inch this way and that way? Because it's attention to detail. Because you're all uniform, and that's what everyone is." I never cared. Like even when I was getting out um, in 2012, and the big thing was repealing "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," and I'm sitting in a room full of Navy SEALs. And I said, knowing damn well, a couple of them are probably gay. I'm like, does anybody care if anyone's gay? All I care about is if I get shot, can you carry me with all my gear on? That's it. This is like I said earlier, you know, for me, if you are an American, I die for you defending your rights and to be whoever you are able to be to and to live the lifestyle that you want to live. This is America. We are free men. So I don't know why these divisions are being created. You say wide rage. That was still, and remember, any wide rage when we were in military? Who no. created it? Is this General Mali creating wide rages and, and, and things are getting out of control under his hand? Well, we know he fled Afghanistan in such a hurry 
that he left thousands of our citizens and allies citizens in the hands of Taliban. They are still there. They are still waiting for help. So for me, it is utter disgrace. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's again, it's politics, and you got to at a certain level, be it um, uh, officer, senior enlisted, congressman, or senator, you need to toll the party line if you want to keep your power, personal power. And again, that comes back to the the reason I think that socialism works because they they, they like their power, they're going to keep it, and they don't give a damn about the people below them. And we're seeing it just seep its way into the military. There, there, you know, we're wasting a lot of time right now on training that doesn't need to be done when we should have guys in the weight room working out and at the range. Uh, but there, but you you have to do all this sensitivity and command climate training and make sure this is up to date before we send you overseas. It's like, Hey, China's building the Navy, man. They're building islands. We, we should be getting ready for an amphibious war. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yes. I'm observing it too. And I just scratching my head. How will we fight the war? Well, the good news is they're building some major super carriers, and I believe in the U.S. Navy, and we and we'll always have the Marine Corps. So that's you know that's how I go to sleep at night. That and like two Ambien and a cocktail. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so the so the embassy approves um, refugee status, yeah. and then how do you get to the states? Yes, so I'm going through. I completed all the paperwork. Brought that brought brought my paperwork to U.S. Embassy. They reviewed it, and I was given a visa. Uh, immigration visa uh, and status political refugee. So uh, first I was, uh, I had to fly to Germany. There was like a little center where we stay and uh, we're waiting for place to go to come to America. And then in meantime also, we were taught about America. We were taught what, how to live, how to be good a, a, a resident and eventually citizen if you if you wish to nobody to ask us or make us hey you know if you go to america you will have to become u.s citizen you will have to do this what can you do for america when you when you go up there all i was asked is when you go there you can become american citizen you can be just like us but first you need to you know, show that you are a, a yeah. good person. And also, you. we ask you to respect our laws, our our fellow citizens, and respect the, the country, respect America. And this is where, you know, when I was thinking about that, say, I, I will become the best citizen, American citizen America can have. That just, I mean, that's just patriotic, right? That gave me goosebumps. That's that. I mean, especially now watching how op open our borders are and the lack of respect because people come here and they just expect free shit. The way that you said that, like, I'm going to be the best American I can. That's a, I was even talking to my wife, Jessica, today, talking about how uh, some of Drago's story, he never struck me as a bully. And, the, and he's like, you could have been and you were before, but because of the love of the country, you're just going to be a good. That's the whole, my, I'm wrapping my mind around this and I'm probably starting to talk fast again because I'm getting all excited. <laughs> so, I, so then how, how did you get, how do you, how do you get here? What do you, what do, they, do they send you over? Do you buy a ticket? Do you get in a boat? Uh, no, I got the, I got to Germany to that center and I was flown out. I think the, the, the ticket was bought for me, but let me make short digression. Yeah. You mentioned something about our Southern borders. I, I need to address that because it really concerns me. Uh, Stalin made big, huge mistake when he was trying to colonize uh, uh, the uh, neighboring republics, 
and neighboring countries. So he did it by terror, by pure terror. But he didn't have computers. He didn't have, he didn't know the social science. Now, if, if, if he, instead of the terror uh, or terror and add to it, the influx of people who have no loyalty to the country. They, if he would flood Poland, East Germany, Czechoslovakia with Russians or with other citizens or with other people who have no loyalty to these countries, most likely he would want. They would, they would not be any more Poland, uh, Czechs, Slovakia, or, East, or, or at that time it was East Germany. So that he made mistake that he used the terror only instead of just dumping people and diluting the patriotism of these countries. So that's that's what concerns me. But okay, so I came to Germany. We had the classes up there, like how to live in America, what to expect. Some of the classes were done by Polish people, U.S. citizens, but of Polish descent who lived in America. The State Department came in and talked to us and explaining us about life. I was just, I was eating it up. I was like, oh, yeah. Are you really coming to America? (laughs) Fairy tale is about to come true. That's got to be exciting. That's got to be crazy. You're going to a whole new world. Yes. Yes. So I remember uh, after I think like three weeks, maybe four weeks, I was told that, uh, okay, we have a location for you, but do you have any preferences where to go? And we can we can change it. We can we can we can try to accommodate your preferences. So I was like, I don't know anything. Maybe if you could, I would really please, 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 somewhere where it's hot. It was like hot, <laughs> hot, hot. Because I was like so living hot. in the Polish winters, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Hot. You know, it's like not even having warm clothes, it was really pain in the ass. So I, yeah, like, just, I, I saw the story in your book where you said uh you had the light coat, but your your mother would stuff newspaper in it to get for insulation. Yeah, newspapers and uh, all kinds of stuff that to make it warmer because we couldn't buy new uh, new clothes. Actually, she was so in such a despair. She sent my younger sister to maybe she could uh, change my father's mind, and maybe father would buy us the coats. But his answer was very short. That's your mother's responsibility. I'm not going to pay any more alimonies, and I'm not going to buy you anything. I'm not going to buy you coats or anything. So that's that's my final answer, and please don't ask me anymore about it. So my sister cried. My mom cried. I got mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine I got mad. And so, so that yeah, so the yeah, and the Polish winter, I I'm assuming is no joke. That's got to be cold. It is cold. I mean, there was sometimes snowing in May, so that was really cold. <laughs> I remember. So, so, so go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so that was it. Was very cold. It was cold for me. Maybe because I didn't have warm clothes, so that was cold. Yeah, that that'll have but something that, to do with when it. When somebody asked me where I would like to settle down in America, I was like, "Holy smoke! They they are such a nice people. They not only let me come and live am, among them, they asked me where I would prefer to live. <laughs> they, what is this?" So I said like that, I need a hot summer place where it's hot, there is a little winter and stuff. So like, how about Memphis, Tennessee? I was like, Memphis, Tennessee? I don't know much about Memphis, Tennessee. I know Elvis Presley was born there, but uh, <laughs> is it hot up there? They say, oh, yes, it is hot. I say, sign me up. <laughs> so so, they, they, so you, you picked Memphis because it's hot. And then, uh, so then, then what? 
they flew me to New York. Through, I mean, through New York. So, what was that like flying? In, could you see out the window in to New York? Uh, that was pretty cloudy. I didn't see a lot, but uh, but I was so excited. I wanted to see the Statue of Liberty. Oh, that, no kidding! That's awesome. Such an iconic uh, uh, monument. Yeah, yeah, that is that is quite a welcoming. Yeah, so we landed. There were people already waiting for me with the signs. I was like, "How is this possible?" You know, what a country! I mean, I, in Poland, I was, I was getting kicks left and right, and here suddenly you know like people are welcoming me and they don't even know who i am so they 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 pick me up at the airport put me in the hotel they fed me and they flew me to memphis where the already families and church was waiting for me and uh that was unbelievable you know and i didn't even speak english by the time yeah, I, I was gonna ask you that yeah when i landed in new york I would have spent all the $25 I had on tape recorder. I wanted to try it. For me, it was very small and it was such a such a tempting I couldn't resist. I just bought the tape recorder so I can listen to the music. <laughs> I can <laughs> record my own music. What so, did you what what did you think of the uh, the hotel room? Well, I, I say if I if, if I had a place like this, I could leave that I could spend the rest of my life living in that place. <laughs> and and not for nothing, but hotel rooms in New York are not that big. Well, that was big for me. <laughs> I know. I, I'm just. I know. I'm just trying. I'm trying. I'm seriously mind boggled here because uh, going from the. I mean, you were explaining earlier that it, it was a treat to get bread with sugar, and there's yeah. you know, you, uh, and then to be in New York, and just the dream of America, and 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 just the the. I think it's so cool. Just the respect you already had for America. You're in awe of it, but just the respect you get there. And just the, the, everything from the tape recorder to the family welcoming you to the hotel room. And then I was going to ask you, so your English wasn't any good then, huh? Oh, no, no I, I couldn't say I, I I couldn't say thank you because even because I didn't know how to say it, how to pronounce it. I know in Poland you would pronounce thank you. TH, you pronounce every letter. So that's like how thank the, you. The, the TH sound that's yeah. not that's in Polish language. And I get myself a lot of problem. A, a big world of shit because of that that my poor pronunciation if it's still there i still have problems with it as you can see from the last podcast where i was chastised for my english so i'm trying to speak slower now no you're no it's great we were just both excited we're good man i think i think we got this english shit down to a science but, but i'm laughing with the guys because when i was listening to myself and i was like what the hell did i just say i cannot even understand myself but, but, <laughs> but yeah so I'm trying to speak a little bit slower, but still, no, when I, I can understand you, but I spent a lot of time with you too. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. You remember in the platoon, like when I show up in, in New Platoon, it was like, what the fuck he just say? I don't even, I don't understand this guy. Like two weeks later, there was like, oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> they were like translating to me, for me, to for other people who may not understand. I, I, rem I ran into you one of my first days at SEAL Team 2 and you just got back from Sarajevo and I heard you yelling, it's not at someone, but like you're yelling down the thing and I'm like, I'm at SEAL Team. I'm like, oh my God, what fucking language do they speak at SEAL Team 2? <laughs> <laughs> well, so when I had my first watch on, on quarter deck, of CL Team 2. When oh, shit. <laughs> so, hey, uh, uh, Drago, please uh, call Petty Officer Smith to on the quarter deck. Somebody's waiting. <laughs> so, okay, I'm sorry. Like, right. 
Petty Officer Smith, your presence is requested on quarter day. <laughs> I can hear door slams open everywhere. The massive <laughs> exo comes out. CEO is like, what the fuck are you? Are you making fun of? They making? Do you think this is funny? I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I remember the cor- the quarter deck at team two because you got the the master chiefs off to your left, the exo and the CR, and then that hallway to the right. Yeah, so and no, yeah, I, I, yeah, just just the shenanigans that would go on with team guys with the one MC. I think one time uh, one of the guys said, "Attention, the SEAL team two area. The Roach coach has made its approach," which you don't say <laughs> about the Navy Chiefs. Oh, yeah, and you yeah. hear the doors like computers slamming and exos yelling. It's like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, so right when they came out, they, they, I think Master she was cussing like, "What the fuck?" I was like, <laughs> I, "I'm so sorry. I get better." It's like, "Oh, you speak like that?" I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Don't put me in the tiger cage, Master <laughs> Chief. <laughs> so anyway, I was sitting at home and trying to improve my pronunciation. Uh, uh, whenever I went, I was like, especially that phrase. Petty officer son, so your presence is requested. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say like thousands of times. Oh, so, yeah, it's it, it, it's anyway, a, it's a good one. So, so sorry. So I your English, you, you, now they they bring you to Memphis. Or you're staying with the family, or you just got your yes. own place? So they tried to find a place and work for me. The church said so they placed me with the family first, and uh, I've even even before that, you already learned to say that thank you because the one of the Polish yeah, guy yeah. there explained to me that if you say F, like Foxtrot, if you say F very quick, like, thank you, thank you right. so much, they won't even notice. And that, that just, so just say that and don't worry about the TH. I say, that yeah. word, that's a good, Got that's it. good, man. Well, not for me. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> because what happened is the gathering, that was, I think it was other church, we don't, I went to other church, they want parishioners to meet me, to just see this new immigrant from Poland. So after the mass on Sunday, they uh, uh, they invite us to like a bigger place, like a cafeteria, and the, the priest, the the pastor came out with a big plate of cookies. You know, I love cookies. I yes, love- that, we're going to get into that. I, I yeah, don't do. There's a lot of things you don't do. Don't get in between Drago and cookies or cakes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I've seen. I've heard. I've heard stories of you impersonating a general to get better cookies. <laughs> Yes, that was Sarajevo. I was General Duran yeah. and I'm here for the cake. <laughs> I'm here to save the I'm here to save the continent and the cake. <laughs> so so we we gathered all these people gathered around me, you know, it's like everybody's smiling. The pastor came out with his cookies. So I just grabbed the cookie, you know, it's like <laughs> I say and this guy who was teaching me is like F, yeah, oh boy. Fuck you. <laughs> and and I already knew something was wrong. It was like, yeah. wait a minute. What did I just say? I was just thinking in fog, like, what did I just say? <laughs> Every I can hear a gasp, and those people are like quiet. I was like, that's not good. In fact, all the gentlemen <laughs> came out, like put his hand on my shoulder and say, and look around, say, what he's trying to say is he looks at me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was like shaking my head. I had a concussion from it. But uh, I think people understood. That's a kind of well. I would hope so. It's yeah. It's like uh, wow. This crazy prisoner from Poland just came here to stole all the priest cookies. Told him go fuck himself. (laughs) 
that's kind of came out, you know. But but I mean, I, they got they got to give you a break at this point. You just got no, there. They did. They did. They, 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 that's they, funny. They bought me a dictionary. Actually, let me go if I can show it. I I brought it with me here. This is the. Yeah. Uh, see if I can show it. Uh, oh no, kidding! Dictionary. I still have it. They bought it to me. It was Polish, English, English, Polish. So I was staying with that family. That family actually got me that dictionary. And that's and, the one. Yeah, that's the one. That's that's the so, or, 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 holding up the actual dictionary that you learn English. That's crazy. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yep. Yeah. So as we drive, so they took me sometimes on the like drive around Memphis to show me around neighborhoods and all that stuff. And as we drive, I wanted to impress them that I'm learning English. I'm trying my best. So every time we go, you know, it's like uh, I see a tree. So I'm just looking in this dictionary. This is a tree. They're like, yeah, you know, it's awesome. <laughs> good. So this is a house. Yeah. This is a, a, a sidewalk. Yeah. You know, this is also they are cheering me up. I'm sitting on the back seat and the, 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 the older gentleman from church and his wife, so, you know, that's all cheering me up. And I see women say like, this is woman. Yes. And then, and then uh, I, I see a black guy and oh, I no. just, I look at black guy. I just opened my dictionary and I was looking, 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 and this is, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare even to repeat this because it's, no. it's ugly and it's uh, offensive to me as well. But I didn't know any better. I just find a dictionary. Well, I think, yeah, too, which, I mean, uh, uh, the the lost in translation, too. The, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine trying to go live over in Eastern Europe and just automatically speak the language. And, and it's, uh, it's that, yeah, that's I, a... I was just trying to impress them. And, and, you know, that's what actually it is in this dictionary. This is why I can't... Is it? Yeah, that's, and that's great. Yeah, that's, and that's, uh, yeah, obviously a place we cannot go ever. Oh, my God, they, they almost wrecked the car. I mean, they yeah. both jam. I should like. Yeah, someone needs to talk to the publisher of that book if they're still around and say, You're, that's not right. <laughs> no, no, this, they, they corrected it now. This this thing is not, no, no longer. <laughs> yeah. That word is there. So, that was the only word there. So, that now, was, was there, was there, um, was there, uh, Polish speakers in the house with you, or do they, they have some around you so the they could? Times, at the times, yes. But like when they were driving me around just to show me, pointing me things, they were saying to me things which I didn't understand what, but I just like to look. I like to, the, the view. I say, there's so many in Poland. The architecture is mostly like, I don't know, 15, 20 story build, gray buildings where you have like apartments uh, and, and people live there. It's pretty ugly at the time. So they were driving me around these nice neighborhoods and uh, and showing me around. And I just, I loved it. I just, I, I really liked it. But anyway, but when I showed them in the dictionary, what I, why I say this, because I know that she was like, I'm so upset. He was upset. So she took this and I have it too here on the page. Oh, did she make well, a note for you? She, she scratched that word. She crossed it over and wrote black man. And uh, I, I never said that word again, but... Uh, that was that was my you know pitfalls with English and with uh, with the new new society, new way of living, being a free man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this not only that, you know, I I had these 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 mishaps quite often. Not not, not with English, 
even with well, your- yeah. I mean, people got to understand that too. Like, I, I like one of the first things I would do when I got to different countries is ask them how to say the most offensive shit ever. And I could, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we had, you know, we, we had, we had when I was in high school, Brazilian exchange students come up, and the entire uh, student cheering section was chanting the most rude shit in in Portuguese, but no one knew what they were saying. So it's like. <laughs> You got under, you know, get, get, give me a year before I realize what an asshole I am. <laughs> so, no, uh, the, the, the American citizens who took care of me, they were very understanding. Like, cool. I was invited by the church to swimming pool, to swimming pool party. So, like, for my first one. So, I'm like, yeah, a swimming pool. How is this possible? Somebody has, has a house and there's not communal swimming pool, but this is just private swimming pool. How can that be? But, Wow, yeah, so I wanted to impress everybody. I just picked the best swimming trunks I had. Swimming trunks in Poland, it was the smaller, the better, like banana hammock. Right. I had no idea. So <laughs> it would be like family party for for the church families and stuff. So I went to I changed my clothes. When I walked up, I can, I can already see just like with this effort, uh, something is wrong. I, I see people just... <laughs> Chasing kids out of the pool and just usher them around to the, the to push stuff <laughs> around. They, they kind of like, uh-huh. hey, you know, you, like, you need to come with us. And here, here comes Drago and his big Polish nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was like a just like so tiny, so small that barely covered what? my balls, you know. But it was very. Wait, wait, no, I was. That's a good. That's a good segue because how much swimming had you done before? Not really much, but you know, on the beaches in Poland at the time, the smaller the smaller uh, swimming trunks you had, the the, the more, I think. No, was- I no, I I know I'm aware of that. I'm just thinking you got. I mean, you don't know it yet, but you got SEAL training coming up. You're going to get in the water a lot. Well, I didn't know about this. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just saying no, because I was because I'm always talking about how I didn't know how to swim uh, right before I joined the Navy. But I'm just from Montana. I'm like shit. You did the same thing, and I don't think you knew how to swim either. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't even see the ocean in my life. So until I went to Bath. So, so anyway, right, so, yeah, so like, like a big shorts. I was kind of like incest because the big shorts only like uh, all very old people wear uh, and they're like hanging out. Now, now I get used to it. And now I wouldn't wear the banana hammock, even my life depended on it. Well, I mean, so you, you kind of did when you re-enlisted on the Kennedy. Oh. But the, uh, well, but yeah, you were on purpose looking for the smallest fish. Sure well, no, no, Tucker actually he took the biggest. They were remember there were only two pairs. No, uh, yeah, Brad had one his own, just one pair. Yeah, the other one we tried to scrunch from somebody on the courier because we wanted to do this traditional UDT. Oh uh, yeah, ceremony right? So UDT shorts that mandatory. So this 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 bastard got the beggar bigger shorts and you can see him on the picture there too yeah i have that one picture them, too one of them you know i saw that's speaking of comments online i saw that picture and i'll I'll post it too but they said because uh, you're getting re-enlisted by jocko and they yeah. and, and and someone said why are your shorts so small and somebody commented with oh they don't make those in drago size <laughs> <laughs> which i thought is a great answer yeah yeah so anyway i beat myself into it because otherwise i would have to forfeit that ceremony so no, I you had to do, had to do it, man. That's those are good pictures. That was a great deployment. But hey, let's get back to Memphis. Uh, yeah. So this banana hammock didn't work out very well. Pushed <laughs> her children to the bushes to another place. Named me to another. Gave me big show, big like big shorts. 
I was worrying and uh, and then they brought the kids back and then I enjoyed the, the, the swimming. But I was still like, what's wrong with my banana hammock, you know? <laughs> and again, there's a language barrier. I don't know what I'm doing, yeah, I, but I obviously offended some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't explain it to them. I just like just nodding my head and say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then I, I mean, because you're obviously just getting immersed into English. Does that what I mean, does it? Does it slowly just start to make sense or, or are you reading all the time or how does that work? Slowly. Uh, uh, so when I got the job, or even before that, I, when I got this dictionary yeah, and uh, I decided to go start, try to read something. So I started, I couldn't read the book because I couldn't understand a thing, but I got the cartoons. That's how I started learning. Oh, and I think I paid the, price now for that now even because it is easier to learn the first and correct way than try to fix what you learned the wrong way but anyway that's what happened to me so i was reading cartoons you know jane love jack jack <laughs> love jane i could make a sense out of that you know i see the pictures too as well so i was a janitor uh, in the church so i was like uh, in the school so I was mopping floors, cleaning toilets and i was in the haven i was like i have my own job I can pay for my apartment because they they got me a job and they also find me a, found me apartment in Memphis, and we can we will talk about this in a second. But uh, sure. that was uh, so when I had this job, I was so excited. I, I can buy my own food. I can pay for my apartment. I'm very happy. No, and and this is when I say I I also understood that to progress in society, I do have to speak English. Mm -hmm. So I did uh, have a always, always dictionary or at least the written words when I wanted to learn the day. So I would try to use at least 10 words each working day. So 10 words I wrote in, how to, like, in English, how to pronounce it and what it means in Polish. And I was just mapping, mapping and, and try to remember. If I forgot, I was my back pocket. Oh, three means three. It is how you pronounce it, okay. And then keep back to mapping and cleaning. This is how I learned, uh, 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 start learning English. Eventually, start watching TV, which I initially I didn't understand a thing. Right. But then watching singular, single phrases. And I remember like the question, like sometimes I like, hear in the film, I got it, I got it. So I'm just like, hey, uh, what does it mean? I got it, I got it, I got it. What's that? You know, I was like, no, dude, that's not this. That means I got it, I have it. I, I, so I, this is how I learned. And eventually, I became enough proficient to start speaking better i could understand what is being uh, said to me and i could answer uh fairly correctly properly uh to the questions so that's how uh, that was my start and while they did that they were already looking for a better job for me and the the, pl the place in the when i was janitor the, i was asked by the church if i'm ready to go maybe advance for a different job i say absolutely yes but i was scared that was pretty scary for me. I just, but I started feeling comfortable being janitor, you know? So it's like, I know what to do. I know how to do it. Right. But but I also understood that my future is in getting better English, better job, and advancing in the society. So, awesome. so, so the, I got my first job was in Memphis, in Oakley Kizzy Ford. There was a Ford dealership on Poplar Avenue. I don't know if it's still there. But this is where I started my job as a parts helper. So what was expected from me was answer the phones. And they already told the suppliers that when they talk to me, speak slowly and say number. So they say, I need 4455XE78. 
So I just wrote it down. Then I ran upstairs, wherever the parts were. I looked through the shelves. I found the part. I brought it downstairs. And then the truck showed up from the, whoever needed it, picked the part up and drove back to the wherever they needed it. Well, that didn't work out too well for me either because, uh, you know, I'm, my English was getting better, but it was not, still not good enough. So sometimes I pull out the Yeah, that's a tough job. That's a tough way to get immersed again in English. Yeah, and then you know I answered the phone and I hear you, motherfucker. Yeah, it's like okay, I am so sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, my English isn't so good, but I know what motherfucker means. So I'm pretty sure I called that priest with the cookies the same thing. <laughs> so they let me. Uh, they they knew how hard I was working. They just didn't want to go and just kick me out. They said very hard. Do you? Do you know anything about European cars? You came from Europe, so can you work as a mechanic on European cars? I was like, can you know how to do that? Oh, I didn't even own the car. I never seen the car. I never even <laughs> know anybody who owned the car. My father had one, but you know, he he was he, he was a communist, and he was he was he was he was not like my father. Yeah. So so now, nah, but of course, I said, yeah, yeah, I want to learn. Okay, so there is a, a dealership, uh, Porsche. Audi and Saab uh, on down the street on Poplar Avenue. So we'll go for interview. Maybe you can just even get a better job. And that time it was like, like $6 per hour. I say, damn, I'm the richest person in the world. <laughs> so so they, uh, they uh, I went to interview. The, the first Porsche mechanic show up. I think Daryl, his name was. He looked at me and said, okay. Uh, no, not really. I, I, I need somebody who actually can communicate better. So yeah. he left. Then show up the Audi mechanic, pretty much the same thing. And then we're waiting for sub mechanic. And you can hear the big motorcycle pulling in. It's like huge Harley Davidson with no pipes on it or anything. He walks in. This, that dude, fuck, he looked like a Yeti. He, when he walked up, it was like seven, seems like seven foot tall. <laughs> he looked at me and say, okay, so this is the guy. I couldn't even ask. I didn't, under, I didn't catch what he said. They say, "Yeah, it's him. That that's him." So, okay, uh, I need a slave. Sign him up. You want to be sub mechanic? So he said quickly. So these guys, do you want to be sub mechanic? I was like, "Yes, so yes, they, I do." <laughs> so that he's like, "Okay, I need a slave. Send him. I will." I need a slave. Wow. And I was, but you know what? This hey. guy. I owe him so much. His name is James Moore. He told me everything. This guy could look at the car and he would tell you what's wrong with the car. He was excellent mechanic. So I got one of the best of the best in the trade to teach me. But he was also kind of like a hoodlum too. He was, they call him motorcycle gangster. But wow. you know, for me, that guy was lifesaver. And I cannot overstate how important was that that period for me where he took me under his wings. He told me everything about cars. I became a really good mechanic and uh, very respected in community. And uh, that was uh, where, uh, yeah, that's James Moore. Uh, if you're there, if you listen to it, Jimbo, um, I remember. Thank you. That I is, even, that is so was, cool. Uh, oh, man, it's incredible. So he decided to like, well, if you're my slave, you just need to come here. This could be another mechanic. My girlfriend will, my girlfriend, you know, there will be another mechanic and my girlfriend and the barbecue. We're going to make barbecue. I was like, barbecue. I knew from the chairs that they had barbecues that you go and make some meats and stuff. I never went. I went to swimming pool party, but it was pretty much 
I went to the swimming pool party in the church. But after that, my banana hammock incident, that was the <laughs> last party I went to church. So uh, was, I was invited to. But um, but then he invited me to this. So I remember this is the first time uh, when I woke up there to his house, that was his girlfriend, his, uh, uh, this other mechanic. And I look at this meat and there's like slabs of steak. Oh, yeah. And dude, in in Poland, I, I I would have to wait a whole month. There would be, there would be portion for a whole month for me to eat. And the in the way we eat in Poland was taking like almost like a razor blade thin slices of meat, if we had it. If we had it, yeah. If you had meat, yeah. Bread. So it was more for the taste of the bread. And if you have a butter and that's little slice right. of sausage or steak, we didn't have a steak, but it was just like any meat. We were like, this is such an awesome meal today, you know. But here it's like, so I'm asking, how many people are going to eat that steak? Who's come? Who else is coming? He's like, no, dude, it's just, it's just me, my girlfriend, and, and the other guy. Uh, I forgot his name. I say, wow. So who? We've been in the steaks. <laughs> yeah, that one is yours. Unless you want a different one. I was like, no, I never even tried to eat big steak like that in my life. Dude, I ate this thing. I, I was so amazed. You can you could go buy yourself a meat as much. Oh, in Poland, you couldn't buy much more meat no. because the, 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 the food stamps, like the cards, the Russian cards. If you try to buy more than it was on your Russian card, you actually could go to prison for that. And there were people sentenced to prison by either falsifying these cards or just, just doing all kinds of tricks to buy more meat or more food or sugar. So here you can go and buy as much food as you want and you can buy meat and you don't have to wait in line. You just go pick it up. I was and, you're, and you're not going to jail for having extra that you're going from potential jail street fights over bread to straight up Memphis barbecue. And that is I mean, I hope people are paying attention to, the, to that, that uh, if we get meat and then the realization that over here, you can get as much meat as you want. And again, take it for granted. That's uh, that's insanity. You know, and this is something that I, I remember first time, it was even before this, before I started to work, uh, American people took me to a grocery store and said, okay, they gave me the basket and say, we'll just go after you, you pick what you like, we'll, we will tell you what it is. <laughs> well, I can understand, what, didn't understand a lot of what they say, but I can uh -huh. do what they want. So I was walking back and it happened, I worked in the cereal uh, aisle. Yeah. I say, oh, wow, what's this? And I say, you eat this. I had no idea what it is, but the box looks so pretty, so awesome. I so say, if this is such a good bar-looking box, I'm sure we'll eat if it's, because it is edible. So I just throw this thing in. <laughs> <laughs> but then I walk to the next one and say, "What? Well, this is better picture. The box, look even, box looks even better. Let me change this one. I remember I ended up with a full basket of cereal. <laughs> I, I would try. To, I wanted to. You didn't try even it. get out of the cereal aisle. The, the damn shopping carts full. Yeah, just because yeah. the boxes were pretty, it's got to be delicious, right? Yeah. Well, I was eating this for a whole week until the next, <laughs> week. and that was that was awesome. You know, you could. I was amazed the the abundance of everything, and you can go and buy it. You know, it's like yeah, you have to be. But now I understand, you know, you cannot just go and spend all your money of uh, oh, entire aisle of cereal, but, you know, you, you can go, you can buy whatever you like to eat. You can, you are free man. There is no nothing 
telling you that if you buy more meat or if you try to buy more meat, we're going to put you in jail. Yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah. And it's and again, you said in abundance, it's not in abundance It's how much I want. And that's I mean, that's freedom right there. That's and I, I, I just the, the, the box is pretty. That's that's just cool. <laughs> that's that's how I look at it at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so impressed. And uh, and I, oh, there was another thing too. Like my learning curve was pretty pretty high. Um, in Poland, if you go to want to go and like look at the uh, uh, stores on their uh, what they have to offer, you know, like you go to downtown and you go look in these windows and they are tape recorders, they are cameras, this all this cool stuff, tape players, uh, books. So in, in Poland, it's all in the downtown, in the buildings. But here, I figure out, I'm going to see what America has from these technologies, for the, the cameras, the, the, the tape players, the maybe cars and motorcycles. I want to see that. I just didn't know how to do it. So like I did, like I did in Poland, I put the flip-flops on because it was hot. Shorts, this time the big shorts, no banana hammock on that one. And they're <laughs> walking downtown. Well, I I didn't know that, you know, from suburbs to downtown, you don't walk. You either take a bus, or which I didn't have the money for, or you take a car and drive. So in that car, I was cutting corners, cutting the across the highways, jumping the barriers. So people you're, are, what are you what are you driving? I was not driving anything. I was just walking in the flip flops. Oh, okay. Um, you're, you're just walking. Yeah, I was just walking because like, I didn't <laughs> to drive. I just came to America. Yeah, so, I was joking. just jump on the highway. And... Yeah, but nobody at that time nobody told me that that these things I was seeking, they are in on the mall in the malls. You, you mm -hmm. go to the mall and the, you watch all these nice clothes. You know everything is there. People meet there. They can eat there. But for me, I was like, where it is, it's got to be downtown. So I'm going to I see those big buildings on the horizon miles yeah. away. So I'm walking. So you're walking there. <laughs> I'm walking there in flip flops. And, <laughs> and you know what? And this is another thing which people here in America really don't pay attention about uh, too much. They just do it because it is the right thing to do because they are good people. But as I walk, there were cars constantly stopping and is everything okay? I didn't understand well what to say. I was like, right, yeah. Uh, no English. Is okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> you want to ride? No. Okay. So they were just constantly. <laughs> they, they, they were they, stopping they, and asking. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's. They thought that something happened to me and they wanted to help me. And yeah, because someone's walking, there's got to be something wrong. Yeah, and I was I was so surprised in Poland they would just flip you off and I would, uh, at that <laughs> point, it's different now. Poland is free, free of socialism. But at that time, yeah. uh, socialist regime, you even look at somebody too long, or you God forbid you smile to somebody. Was like, what the fuck are you smiling at me? Really? What, just smiling. What, are you laughing at me? And I was like, Oh, what are you staring at? What are you watching at me for? What are you looking at me? So that was usually, but you walk in and look people in the eyes, you just walk around, do about your business. And and here, when I came to America, it was like people, hi, you know, hello. And matter of fact, this is so funny. Uh, not too long time ago, a friend of mine from a Polish Special Forces group came to visit me. So uh, he said, like, you know, I'm going to go for a run for a couple of miles here. Where can I run? So here, in here. He came back, like, Drago, people were saying hi to me. They were waving. They were just, they were so nice, and even on the street there is a sign: "Be careful, children are playing in the neighborhood." This is, I can't believe this. 
in Poland, they will just kick children to the curb. They will tell children not to play. There are signs, <laughs> no playing with the... <laughs> no playing, no playing signs. <laughs> but here, there's like, if you just be careful when you drive, children are playing the signs. He actually, when I was uh, driving him back to the airport, back to Poland, he requested we stop by that sign. He needs to take a picture of it. No kidding. Poland. Yeah. But it, it, again, in Poland, it's very similar right now. Poland is free country. But at that time, it was just like I was so surprised. People were so nice, smiling to me, waving some and saying, you know, how are you? I was like, this is this is weird. But then like, when you're first there, yeah. On the what first what day. Did, uh, did you did you walk all the way to the mall? Oh, no, no, not to the mall. I walked to the downtown and I realized I started walking. I see some restaurants. I see like nice people in business suits walking around sometimes. But there was nothing there. It was like tall gray building. Yeah. Out of them, those high risers. But there's like really nothing to look at. They're like what I was looking for, you know. So then I'm walking back, flip, 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 flip. <laughs> Same stuff, <laughs> jumping the highways, jumping, you know, like interstate. It's like, well, I just go down the bank. Just wait for the cars that didn't go. Just and run, then run, <laughs> run in the flip-flops. Just climb the bank and then keep walking. So, uh, because there were some bridges that were like not even the sidewalk for people to walk. So yeah. just like stick out around the cars, you know, just like to like tie myself. Like there is no car, I just like run very quick through this. So, and that, that was my, you know, uh, welcome to America. This is how I started learning. And then the more I learned, the more I fascinated, the more impressed became, the more I became fascinated with America. And uh, yeah, you know, nowadays, like, uh, um, I, all these things that were given to me and provided to me by Americans, I never forget that. This is, you yeah. know, this yeah, is what I, I can, I can hear it. And this is, that happens because America is built, was built on personal freedom and goodness of good people doing good things. So I hear, I see here often in America, people do these good things and they don't think twice about it. It's like nothing happens. It's like nothing. Well, I, uh, a couple of times I even asked, a few times I had to ask, like, why are you so nice? I mean, this is something that, you know, you went out of your way to help this person. Like, uh, this is the way we are, you know, this, I don't see nothing unusual about it. I don't know why you notice that because like here, nobody, we don't pay attention to it. We do what is yeah. not, what is the right thing to do to help our neighbor, to help our friends, to help people who need help. And, uh, and we don't dwell on it. And people here don't, they don't think about this very transparent to Americans. It is not transparent to people coming from outside and see, holy smoke, are these people are saints here. And this is, this is something that, the, the, the character of America that I was always impressed and I hope we will never lose that I want to be like this I hope I am like this and I hope I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to, to be good America yeah absolutely incredible just uh, the little things from cereal boxes to a, a month's ration of meat at one Memphis barbecue the way Americans treat each other, how they're nice with each other, they'll, they'll help each other out. It's just, it's so awesome to hear that experience from the outside looking in and then coming in and being part of the family. And, and, and Drago just does a, does a great job every single day of, uh, we have a saying that says, earn your trident every day. I think Drago earns the American flag every day. And it's just, it's humbling to hear it. Um, going from Poland, coming to the United States through New York and Memphis, and then uh, 
joining the military, but learning how to skydive. And because of skydiving, you'll find out which branch he gets into. And we're going to talk about SEAL training next. And um, we'll get into that in the next episode. That's where you learn the hard way about never quit. And if you never quit, you're never out of the fight. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.